Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Happy holidays and welcome to the Syrupcast. You're listening to episode 152. We're recording this week's episode on Thursday, December 21st. The Syrupcast is a podcast devoted to fostering intelligent and sometimes funny discussion related to the Canadian tech and telecom ecosystems. I'm your host, Igor Bonifacic. This week, Rose and I are joined by not one, but two very special guests. If you've listened to the Syrupcast before uh, or just have an interest in Canadian telecom, these individuals need no introduction. Uh, but as I'm one who loves introductions, I'm going to go ahead and do so. So sitting to my right is one of my longtime friends, someone who's been a mentor to me and previously a colleague, is Daniel Bader. Daniel is currently the EIC of Android Central. Daniel, how are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. Welcome back to the podcast. It's good it's to great. be here. Sitting to my left is someone whose work I greatly admire, and as we, I'm sure, all do in this room, we have Christine Dobby, who is the telecom reporter for the Globe and Mail. Christine, how are you? Hi, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Welcome back. Thanks so much for having me. Um, this is something that I've wanted to do for a really long time. Um, and it's kind of been in the back of my mind. I'm like, oh, I've always wanted to do a podcast looking forward to the future of Freedom Mobile. And that's what we'll be ta uh, talking about today. Um, and it just so happened that the timing worked out perfectly where both Christine, Rose, and Daniel were able to be Well, Rose is not in the same room with us, but she's here in spirit. And, uh, New I'm Brunswick. here. Hello. Um, where we could all be in the same room. And the timing worked out perfectly, as I said, because Freedom just offered recently its big, uh, big gig data plan, which sparked one of the most interesting events, I think, in a long time in Canadian telecom. Rose, um, how about you get us started? Like, just lay down what happened, and then I think that will launch us into our discussion of the carrier and where it's going to go for, uh, from here. For sure. And I just want to start out by saying that this is a star studded panel in my opinion, and I'm very excited about it. Um, so basically this all started with the launch of freedom's big gig plans, which came after a, a really big year for freedom, um, building out their LTE network and launching iPhones and, and the big gig plans, which launched in October, offered one plan that gave unlimited Canada-wide calling um, and unlimited text and 10 gigs of data for $60. So um, I guess, uh, you know, from what we can surmise, the big three did start to feel the heat a little bit from Freedom's promotions and from their moves this year. And uh, Rogers launched a 10 gigabyte, $60 bring-your-own-device plan in Alberta and BC. Uh, and then, of course, uh, and Fido as well. And then the uh, Bell and Virgin joined in in Alberta and BC. Kudo brought it to Ontario. And then Fido, Virgin, and Kudo competed with the plan in Ontario. 
TELUS and Rogers also brought the 10 gig $60 uh, plan to Ontario. Everybody was flipping out from a consumer perspective. Um, there were huge lineups. And I know, Dan, you, you commented that it was not very well done because there were huge lineups at stores. Stores were overwhelmed. Call centers were overwhelmed. Everybody wanted these plans. Several people at the mobile syrup office actually got them. Um, but it was, it was just a massive reduction because generally plans that are BYOD 10 gig, uh, usually run you about $125, say at Bell or $145 at Rogers. So that's an up to $85 reduction, um, from normal pricing. It was just massive. And I guess, uh, you know, Ian, our, our uh, editor who's been in this space a long time, uh, was commenting that he hadn't seen anything like it since um, a mobilicity and public mobile and wind, now freedom, uh, were just starting to enter the market um, back in 2008, 2009, 2010. So that basically was, uh, I think it was one of, it, it was a large turning point, got a lot of uh, public, got a lot of press uh, because it was just so unusual in, uh, in Canadian telecom. Um, Christine, let's start with you. Sure. Who do you think came out ahead in this whole after all of this? Because I don't think it's necessarily three, uh, Freedom Mobile. No, I, I don't think. I think consumers in a way. I mean, there mm-hmm. was obviously a ton of frustration lineups. It wasn't handled very well. Spare a thought for the customer service reps who had to deal mm-hmm. with this all week. Like that, that has, I'm sure, been incredibly stressful for them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, as always, the big three probably come out on top in a way. Mm-hmm. Although I think it, it also highlights and, and puts some negative publicity on them, despite the fact that they just offered some really good deals. Mm-hmm. I think it really highlights and it has a lot of people questioning why they don't regularly offer deals like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I think that uh, they're going to have to face some tough questions on that. Even though they regularly do these kinds of retaliatory promotions, they do limited time offers quite often. Mm-hmm. But the scale of this deal and the attention that it received, I think is going to put some pressure on them mm-hmm. um, and, and raise some questions about their pricing practices. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think that they probably succeeded in their objective, which was to prevent Freedom Mobile from picking up too many subscribers at this time of year. And there was a report from uh, Jeff Fan at Scotiabank today saying this really shows that that the big three will use all the resources at their disposal. They'll bring their all of their brands, and they have nine brands between them mm-hmm. now, if you include their pre, prepaid brands, to compete with Freedom Mobile. They're not going to let Freedom just walk away with subscribers. Mm-hmm. Daniel, um, and I opened this up to all of you. Um, when we take a step back and look back at this in a couple months or years from now, let's say, is this a fulcrum point or is has that been kind of been overstated? That is a difficult question. I think, and I've been asked this a few times, and every time I sort of hedge because um, Freedom Mobile is more competitive with the big three than it ever has been. And the reason this started in the West, in Vancouver uh, and and Alberta and uh, Calgary and Edmonton, is because the upgrades to the Freedom Mobile network have actually made the experience on Freedom considerably better, mm-hmm. um, much better than it's ever been. Um, they are doing a lot to make their network faster and, uh, more importantly, to fill in the coverage gaps in parts of the cities that they operate 
that have forced so many customers that have that went to to win then win mobile or more recently freedom mobile and and return to the big three less likely to do that in the future mm-hmm. um, and even though those upgrades haven't come to the greater Toronto area and southern Ontario, which is arguably and you know I don't, I don't think even freedom would disagree with this the company's most important um, the coverage area, uh, not not only in terms of subscribers, but just in terms of um, it, it really built up its brand here in, mm-hmm. in the Greater Toronto area, um, and I don't I don't think that the the big three can now ignore freedom, especially since the upgrades that took place on the west are inevitably coming to the Greater Toronto area in the spring of 2018. Once that happens and the expansion is complete, the refarming of AWS One is complete, the launch of 700 and 2500 megahertz, which we'll talk about in a bit, I think that is really where the fulcrum point will happen. Mm -hmm. That freedom can say, okay, we have a base layer of LTE that we can offer, a base layer of a very, very, if not awesome, then good performance all over the country plus all the other things that it can offer um, in terms of domestic roaming, mm-hmm. I do think that, yeah, that'll, that'll be the point. Maybe in February or March mm-hmm. where we can look back and say, okay, the carriers now have no choice but to not drastically lower their prices but at least start moving in that direction. That's interesting because you just contextualized it as a prelude, and I think that is a really good way of looking at it. And in that uh, sense, uh, one of the things I asked um, all of you, uh, all three of us, or all four of us, excuse me, to do was to look back and think about what were the most significant announcements that Freedom made uh, in this past year. Rose, you've been patiently waiting under your little blanket fort. Do you want to get us started? Uh, maybe just the one you think is the most significant and then we'll kind of all chip in. Yes, absolutely. So many of them are connected together. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think one of the really major moments was the uh, launch of the iPhone at Freedom Mobile, which really um, made it a a different sort of carrier all of a sudden. Um, Having the iPhone, being able to sell it, uh, brings in a different demographic. Um, and it makes it more of a premium brand as well. So it was back in it was back in late November. It wasn't even that long ago. And then the, one of the uh, the major things was that not only the iPhone eight and the eight plus and the X or the ten were to come, but also um, the older iPhones as well that were in market, uh, where in in locations where they had deployed band seven spectrum, so that these older devices would work. So as uh, Dan was saying, um, out west, but it's it's the those uh, improvements are coming to the east as well by spring 2018. Not so, not that far east, not not where you are east, just up to the <laughs> up to the edge of Ontario. Right. Yeah. 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 To their eastern footprint. Yeah. Um, not that. Not quite this far, and we don't have any. We don't have any. Because uh, I'm out in New Brunswick right now. In case I didn't mention it. We don't have any freedom uh, present at the moment, just Eastlink, which is mm-hmm. not really a great fourth contender. But uh, yeah, I think this was a major moment. And of course, um, a large part of this was, uh, you know, it, it was it came after the network being built out. And I think that those two things really had to come hand in hand. Uh, but they definitely open up a much larger market. Um, 
it was a Jeff Fan again who was predicting um, from Scotiabank that this would uh, sort of really make a difference and be a turning point for freedom if they were to offer iPhones and older iPhones as well. And I think others have made that uh, have made that comment as well, including uh, Sasha Sagan from PC Mobile, sort of linking um, Freedom Mobile to T-Mobile in the States and saying that they have sort of similar aspirations to become a, a major contender here in Canada. So I think that was the that was the major moment for Freedom for me. We'll talk more about uh, T-Mobile in just a couple of moments. Uh, but Christine, what was your moment? Sure. So I, I would say uh, back in June when they announced a series of pretty big, big moves, they um, they sold their data center business called BioWest for about two point three billion Canadian. This and is Shaw. Shaw did. Shaw. Yeah. So Shaw's uh, the owner of Freedom Mobile. Shaw's the incumbent cable company mm-hmm. out west. And uh, so right at the same time, they announced that they were buying um, $430 million worth of spectrum from Quebecor, mm. which had been sitting on the spectrum for quite a long time. And they also said that they were going to invest $350 million in their network. And so I think that this was these were moves that I think a lot of people were waiting for them to do. People were sort of wondering, why do you still have this data center business? It, it was a U.S. data center business. It was a good business. It was made a reliable amount of money for them. It was doing well. But it wasn't core to what they what they were doing, and it didn't help them really with their wireless push. Mm-hmm. So I think that this move really showed that they were actually serious about the wireless opportunity. And they I think they really wanted to, to be clear that they were serious about the opportunity. A couple days after they announced all, all these moves, uh, the Shaw president, Jay Mayer, went to an investor conference and and he sort of boldly proclaimed that we want to win millions and millions and millions of subscribers. He was very, very um, adamant that it was, he said it three times, three millions. <laughs> so <laughs> so um, at, they have about 1.15 million subscribers right now. So uh, they've got a ways to go before they get to that. But I think that they, with those moves, they want it to signal we are taking this very seriously. And then a lot of other things followed from that throughout the rest of the year as they actually started to invest money in their networks. And now we're kind of seeing some of the payoffs of that. Mm-hmm. And lastly, but not least, Daniel. Yeah, I mean, I'll you know continue that thought. I, I think um, with the data center sale and the, the capital that came from that, plus the, I think the forward-looking um, decision to invest in low band spectrum by purchasing some 700 um some 700 in addition to 2500 uh from Quebecor it, it gives this is the first low band spectrum that freedom has ever purchased and it's very difficult to run a network with only mid mid band spectrum i mean to to kind of unnerd the, the the terminology you you basically have speed, but you have no you have no coverage. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've seen this so many times back when Freedom first launched as Win Mobile and its competitors, um, Mobilicity and Public Mobile, or Public to a lesser extent, but um, Mobilicity and, and Wind always struggled with coverage. And that's because they didn't have any low band spectrum to penetrate walls, to penetrate basements, to get the kind of rural coverage that people in you know lesser dense areas. Um, need. And now they have that. They don't have a lot of it. They will never have as much spectrum as the big three, but at least they have a good starting point. And the second thing they did was they said that they're going to start refarming, which means moving some of the existing spectrum that they're using for their 
4G um, HSPA network to LTE, which gives them the ability to, to actually offer the iPhone and other older Android phones to run on their LTE network. And as you've talked about so many times, WinMobile's LTE network is all well and good, but until recently, there were basically like three phones that worked on it. Mm-hmm. And this year, obviously, with Band 66 proliferation, that has helped. But it is very, very difficult to offer an LTE network when there are thousands of Android handsets that just do not work. Oh, and by the way, the iPhone 7 won't work. Oh, by the way, the iPhone 6. Like, you just can't offer a full-spectrum business um, without that compa- compatibility. So I think the the, the launch of um, the, the, the purchase of that of, of all of that new spectrum plus the refarming of AWS One puts them in a really good position to be able to say we are now a national network. And I'll add one more thing before I drown everybody out. Um, the fact that they are now able to offer away data mm-hmm. is a part of their plans, right? Their 12 gig plan has a gig of away data, meaning you don't have to penny Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to Bluehost.com Wondersuite. When you leave your coverage area, you don't have to think, oh, can I use my data now? It just, you have enough data that if you go outside of your province or your home area, it'll just work. And, you, and, and that, I think, is a, it's a mindset, mindset shift that many Freedom Mobile customers have been able to make when upgrading to these big gig plans. Christine, in your mind, do all, those, all the things we mentioned, do they now coalesce into making this a viable competitor to the big three? Yeah, I mean, I think that Freedom Mobile was never going to disappear. You know, Shaw's not mm-hmm. going to suddenly shut down the business. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we've seen over the past week that uh, the big three have to respond to them. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it's the classic thing that we've seen in so many provinces in Canada where there's a stronger competitor, the big the big three respond and the prices are better. Um, and I think that that the changes that they've made over the past year are going to set them in, in, on a course where they, they become more competitive with the big three. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel, um, we often see Freedom Mobile positioned as a potential T-Mobile-like competitor uh, in the Canadian space. Um, I want to know, you know, it's something that I think about a lot and specifically whether it is an apt comparison in the context of the Canadian telecom telecom ecosystem in the sense that I think what makes T-Mobile unique are very, are factors that are very unique to the American uh, ecosystem in the sense that, you know, we have T-Mobile, which as the third biggest uh, carrier in the U.S. has more subscribers than all three big three Canadian carriers. It has more could subscribe it has double the subscribers than the population of Canada. Yeah. So I mean it's right. it's hard to compare it that way, but yeah. So but I think those are all important things to keep in mind. Mm-hmm. Um what is your view of that uh comparison? Is it apt? And then I'd love to open it up to everyone else. Yeah. So I mean very quickly, 
I don't think it's apt in the sense in like a very linear fashion. It's not a parallel comparison because not only is it you know th- like T-Mobile is enormously leveraged. They have a they have a very very um, wealthy pairing company like Shaw, but not. I mean, Deutsche Telekom is 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 extremely um, you know it, it 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 has networks across Europe. Um, it's been willing to invest millions of dollars into T-Mobile when necessary. T-Mobile was the first carrier in the U.S. to offer unlimited plans that forced everybody to to respond. Verizon, um, the biggest you know of the four, to really like show that it was willing to meet T-Mobile um, you know at its at its level. But at the same time, a lot of T-Mobile's success comes from investment in network. Mm-hmm. It has enormous spectrum. I mean, for years, Verizon made fun of T-Mobile's network, and rightly so. But in urban centers now, T-Mobile is not only faster, but it's invested in the network technology that will make it easier to um, to roll out 5G. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's done so much over the last two years to actually supplant many of the advancements that AT&T and, T- and Verizon have made in terms of LTE. They, they were the first to launch 256 QAM, they were the first to launch 4x4 MIMO. They were the first to offer um, gigabit speeds in the U.S. I mean, these are serious achievements for a company that only two years ago was made fun of rightfully for its coverage and its speed. Um, and it's still not perfect. But to go back to the comparison, I just don't think that Veri- that um, Shaw will ever be rude enough to be T-Mobile. You know, Shaw is, from a marketing perspective, it's never going to have an out-there CEO saying swear words and... And, and like really going at the competitors. I think to some extent, Shaw, its aspirations are more to be like a Rogers or a Bell than mm-hmm. it is to be a T-Mobile. And we'll speak more about those aspirations in a moment. But Christine, if not T-Mobile, do you think there's a more apt comparison that you can think of? I think that they're trying to play somewhere in the T-Mobile space, but they're they're wary themselves of going too close to that. Mm-hmm. I, I think that they... They might be willing to eventually settle on being a, a better value brand, but not a super discount brand. Like they mm-hmm. were last year, I, I sat down with Bradshaw, the CEO, and he was pretty careful to say, you know, we're not going to be crazy. We're not mm-hmm. going to be going going nuts on the discounts, you know, but we want to offer more value in the market. Um, so, I, I, yeah, and like you said, like they're they're not the same as T-Mobile in that Shaw owns, you know, this incumbent cable business as well, Mm -hmm. and they have to protect that. Mm -hmm. So they're not in quite the same spot where they can just attack the big three without potentially facing some some response, especially from TELUS on the the residential side Mm -hmm. in in their biggest provinces out west. Um, but I think that they might end up trying to play in that kind of just below the big three. Like their they, they, their network quality is still nowhere near the big three. Their coverage is nowhere near the big three. But there is a space for them to play um, because they now have so much spectrum relative to the number of customers that they have. They they can offer these big data packages at, at good prices. Mm-hmm. So they're um, I think there's a space kind of in the middle of like a Canadian T-Mobile. They're not they're not that. But they're they're certainly not an incumbent at this point on the wireless side. Hmm. Yeah, um, well, I think. Yeah, if go I, ahead, Rose. Can I, yeah, I of course. Just say, I think like they're certainly not a T-Mobile yet, and I don't think they'll ever have that attitude. But marketing is sort of a separate issue from the network issue. 
And I do think that they're ambitious and they have committed to securing a lot of spectrum. But Dan, do you think that there's the, just the scarcity of the spectrum or the, the pace of the auctions in Canada, that's going to be what stops them from actually building it out to a point where it's competitive? Well, we don't know when 600 is actually going to happen, right? I don't think it's yeah. been dated yeah, yet. Yeah, it's, it's not going to happen yeah, soon. The consultation, but... I mean, the final rules haven't come out yet. Yeah. I don't think they're expected kind of first or second month of the year next year. So, I mean, until then, right, there's not a whole lot of spectrum that they can buy um, if they want new, if they want so, to expand. Yeah. I yeah, mean, so yeah. I think that's the main issue. I think the issue is the scarcity of wireless, but I don't think that I mean, I think you can go at it from a different approach and mm-hmm. still end up becoming one of the main contenders. I don't think they necessarily have to have that same marketing attitude that T-Mobile has. Um, but I definitely think they're still courageous enough to, to, to make it there. And, you know, like you were saying, Christine, with the millions and millions and, and millions of a new customers comment, that's, that's a pretty bold comment. You're, you're poking the bear with that one for sure. Yeah, I, I just, um, and I, I think the fact that they actually did dedicate a, a significant amount of capital to the to it this year shows mm-hmm. that they're taking it seriously. But the fact remains that they're an, an incumbent cable company with shareholders who are very addicted to dividends, and there's an expectation of those dividends. So there's only so far that they're willing to go. They're not, they're not an aggressive startup. There's a bit of a contradiction, I think, by being owned by this cable company. Sure, they have a good balance sheet. But there's certain returns and there's certain margins that those shareholders expect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that leads to a question I wanted to ask you, Christine, which is how long does this current iteration of Freedom Mobile continue to exist? Because I think there is very much that kind of dichotomy within Freedom Mobile being owned by um, a legacy cable provider that, on the one hand, it wants to get into this wireless space and become successful, and yet it still has that legacy business, Right that um, it wants to uphold. Yeah, I mean, I think eventually we all probably believe that they're going to launch a Shaw brand at some point when the Mm -hmm. network is good enough. Um, They'll bundle that with their, likely with their residential products. Um, But but they're, and that that will only work in BC and Alberta. Mm -hmm. They have satellite TV in Ontario, but that's not gonna be a big draw. Um, So I think we're we're gonna see Freedom Mobile the brand around for quite a while. I don't expect that they, they'll make any changes to that kind of the image that they've created um, anytime soon. Mm-hmm. Daniel, do you want to chip in on that? Yeah, I mean, when WinMobile started, it was, it was a tough sell, right? It was largely attractive to those who wanted a, an inexpensive prepaid um, network that just worked and data was so slow that it was kind of a bonus. I mean, you got six gigs of data, but when you had a Win Mobile network, it kind of it was just crap. Like it just didn't it didn't work. You would you would get if I if I'm on three G on Win Mobile on Freedom today, you get like a, a megabit down, mm-hmm. right? You need that LTE network. You need it, and you need it to be very reliable. So every time I read a mobile Sarah post about Freedom Mobile, everybody's asking when are they launching Volti? When are they moving in the direction that all the other carriers need to? To, to or already have moved, and I think that's what it comes down to. You know, do you do, do they have what it takes to become an incumbent while also undercutting the incumbents? Um, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I think that uh, they're in a very good position. 
we should talk about the transition to 5G because that will happen sooner than later. It's starting in 2019. Rogers, Bell, and Telus are going to be there. Are, is Shaw going to be there? And I think you know that's another part of this whole conversation. Um, Shaw's caught up right now, but is there? But how how far behind will they be when the transition to 5G begins? Uh, so, Rose, you're our 5G expert. Um, do you see the carrier coming out well in that situation? I, I did speak to their like head of systems, Brian McElhenney, um, at one point about 5G. It was a while ago, but he spoke to the idea of, oh, you know, 5G is it's just a bunch of different uh, sort of new technologies coming together. We have it. We, we're we're going to have that. It's going to be all good. Um, but he was a very optimistic person in general. So we'll we'll see. Um, I don't think, of course, they'll be able to, to compete on 5G for quite some time. Um, they're really just starting to to get a quality, you know, 4G LTE network going. So um, I, I think that's they're definitely going to be behind on the game in that one in that respect. I think one thing that might help them on 5G is their their network of um, Wi-Fi hotspots in in mm-hmm. uh, the West. Given the number of small cells that will be necessary in a 5G world, mm-hmm. but I agree that like Rogers and Telus and Bell, I'm sure are going to be much faster out of the gate on 5G, and they're going to have more capital to devote to it. And yeah, they're not sort of still trying to build 4G networks. You know, they're they're very far ahead on um, on actually putting in those four and a half G technologies already. Yeah. Um, as we wrap up, just one last question for everyone, uh, just your take on it. What do you think is the assessment of, uh, by the big three of the Freedom Mobile at this point? Of, that is an assessment of their competitiveness. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I don't think they've paid much attention to Freedom until very, very recently. Mm-hmm. And I think the launch of the iPhone was that focal point. I think it was, okay, now they're a full-spectrum carrier that's offered that's able to offer every side, you know, every type um, of consumer service and product. And now that they're refarming AWS One, older iPhones will work. I think it's important to understand that this $60 10 gig plan was BYOD only mm-hmm. and the implications for that. Because this is, Freedom is one of the first, com- I think it's alongside Eastlink is the first company to unbundle the cost of the phone from the cost of the plan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that the carriers are responding in kind is important. Mm-hmm. Christine? Yeah, I mean, I think that if Freedom ends up not having won as many subscribers as they might have hoped this quarter, maybe they could take some comfort in the fact that they, it's a bit of a compliment that the, the big three did target them so aggressively over the past past week or so. And that's an interesting point about the BYOD thing. That's becoming a much bigger um, part of the market with people hanging on to devices for longer. Mm-hmm. Rose? Yeah, I mean, I think it's like what Christine said about the different sort of brands that the big three have in the market. Previously, we did see the big three responding to Freedom, but they would respond with public mobile or they would respond with mm-hmm. sort of that tier of brand. And this past, um, you know, this past week, it, they responded with their core brands. Um, so that is really... I think a, a good indication that they do feel a little threatened um, by Freedom Mobile, uh, but I, I do I would be so intrigued to know just how many customers Freedom lost over this time and whether it was really damaging to them or not. Um, 
because I, I hope it's, a, you know, I hope it wasn't that effective of a, um, a retaliation. But yeah, I do think there's, they're seeing them as competition. Um, I want to thank you both and you, Rose, as well, for joining us for this really amazing discussion. Um, Christine, where can people find you online? Uh, my Twitter handle is very original, Christine Dobby at Christine mm-hmm. Dobby. And uh, email me anytime, cdobby at globemail.com. And what's a recent yeah. piece you wrote that you'd like to shout out? I interviewed uh, Joe Natale, the first uh-huh. sit-down exclusive interview with him after I'd done a bunch of reporting on their network, um, the changes that they need to make to their network, and mm-hmm. as well as some cuts that they've made to to kind of finance those changes. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was an interesting sit-down with, uh, with Joe. There's a lot of interest in Rogers, mm-hmm. um, especially in Toronto. It's just a company that people pay a lot of attention to, so it was, mm-hmm. it was good to sit down with him. He's a very well-liked person, and he's one of those guys who, no matter who you ask, you can't find anyone who will say anything negative about him. He just everyone likes him, mm-hmm. and he's a very capable person. So it'll be interesting to see how sort of Rogers 4.0 goes, goes under Joe. Totally. Uh, Daniel? Well, you can find me at JourneyDan on all the things, Twitter, Instagram, um, and uh, I don't write as much as I used to, but you can find all my work at androidcentral.com and occasionally imore.com. Wonderful. Thank you again to the both of you. Oh, and Rose, where can people find you? <laughs> oh, they can find me at Rose Bahar on Twitter, pretty much only there. And um, thank you to our guests, by the way. This has been a really awesome conversation. Well, thanks for having us. Yeah, what an interesting week to have this discussion. I know. Yeah. It's really been fascinating. Good to be back. Um, so hopefully we'll be able to get the both of you back in in a podcast sometime too soon so that we can again have a wonderful conversation uh, and thank you again for joining us All thanks right. for having us cheers As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.